1: I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tallboy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tallboys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tallboy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice-cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best-tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the sparkling lime liquid death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9 a.m., Seriously, guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. 20 minutes a
2: day, 365 days a year.
1: Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Pack Day Podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. Packers suffer another loss this week at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles, 40 to 33. And this is a really interesting game to talk about. There's a lot to talk about from this game from Another pathetic showing from the Packers' defense, specifically the run defense in this game, although the pass defense in situations was really bad as well, which is kind of frightening when you think of it. Uh, Some really good stuff from Keyshawn Nixon as a kick returner after his first kick return, which was kind of a blunder. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Jordan Love plays in this game. The Packers put up 33 points of offense. They keep it competitive in Philly against the team with the best record in the NFC. There's just a ton to break down. And Really, I thought about where I wanted to start because you could lead with Aaron Rodgers' injury. You could lead with Jordan Love playing and showing some, you know, at least signs of promise in his limited playing time in this game. You could lead with, you know, Joe Barry's defense. There's there's a lot of different ways to go. Um, I figured I'd, I'd start mostly with the run defense because that was the A1 most abysmal and frustrating and disappointing aspect of this game. Before we get there, I will say... Uh, you know, I tweeted out at the time. The Packers go down 13-0 in this game. They allow a touchdown drive to start the game after having a third down, third and long. Everything's covered down the field. Jalen Hurts has to take off and run. And I, I think it was Quay Walker, and then I think it was Amos, and then I think it was Savage. And all you know, three Packers have the opportunity to make a stop on third down, get off the field and get the offense the ball. In good field position and instead all three make awful plays Hertz gets the the first down on the scramble they immediately go down and score a touchdown make it seven nothing the kick return starts off with a nine yard kick return by Keyshawn nixon to the nine yard line at which point the packers go drop and then i think it was a short run by jones if i remember correctly and then you have the interception on rogers the Eagles get the ball, take over, and go right in for a touchdown, and it's 13 to nothing. And I tweeted out at the time, could this be the game that the Packers or that the you know the Packers quit on this season? And does this game get very very ugly? And one thing you should notice about me, I am an observer. I observe things. I'm intrigued by things. That's something that was intriguing to me. I didn't say this team will quit. This team is for sure done with. That was intriguing to me. How would they respond to that moment? and i was legitimately interested how how would the team respond and could this be the game where they just quit because after 13 nothing where you go touchdown drive immediate interception after a horrible kick return and then touchdown off of the turnover 13 nothing i you know on a 4 and 7 season where everything basically is already over you're on the road you're playing against the number 1 team in the nfc i could have understood maybe not you know, I'm not, I wouldn't have given them a pass on it for sure, but I could have sort of understood if they are just like, you know what, enough's enough. Like we, you know, we've got nothing left to give on this season. It's over, put a dagger in everything. But to the Packers credit, and I know in the NFL, you don't actually get a cookie for trying and not quitting, but they, they gave four quarters of there were multiple times in this game where it looked like they were down and out and had no chance and they kept fighting throughout the entire course of the game. And I don't want ever like really want to get joy or entertainment out of the fact, or like, you know, I, I don't want to lead with like, hey, this was a like good news, this is a really entertaining game because the goal is to win football games. But at the same token, in a season that's been pretty crappy, this was a really entertaining, fun football game. And again, th- that's not the goal. The goal isn't just to not quit on a game or quit on a season. You're paid professionals. You should go out there and put your best on tape at all times. Uh, but this was an unideal situation. Your quarterback goes out in the middle of the game and through everything, through a brutal record, a brutal season on the road against an incredibly good team. When you're down, you know two touchdown or two, you know two touchdowns on multiple occasions. You still fought through everything and made it, you know, up until really the, you know, the last kneel down until the, you know, the the Eagles had to fight through this game to get through with a victory. So I was impressed to some extent that this Packer team fought through and did everything they could to make things difficult in the Eagles and try to win this football game. Even though, again, on multiple occasions, it would have been easy to probably just say, screw this, we're going back to Green Bay. It's another loss, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. They they fought through the entirety of this game. Now, that being said, the run defense, like I said, wanted to open with this. If you would have told me if you would have told me going into this game that the Packers scored 33 points and allowed only 137 yards passing, I would have felt pretty darn good about Green Bay's chances in this game. You allow a very... Now, no make no mistake about it. This Eagles team is based on running the football. So it's always within the realm of possibility that they can put up some serious yards running the football. But if you told me the Packers put up 33 points and allowed only 137 yards passing, still, even though knowing that this is an Eagles team that can run the ball well, would have felt incredibly good about the potential outcome of that game. However, the Eagles rush for 363 yards, and some of that is actually worse because there was a, a, you know, kneel down at the end by Jalen Hurts. I think it was actually up to 364. The Packers had 342 total yards of offense, The Eagles had 21 more yards rushing than the Packers had in total offense, and the Packers had a good day of total offense, 342 yards and 33 points, but the Eagles put up 21 more yards just on the ground than the Packers had in total offense. Some quick hitters for you. The Eagles' 363 rushing yards is the most the Packers have allowed in a game since 1977, I am getting fairly old, and I wasn't even close to being born yet at that point. 1977, 363 rushing yards is unbelievable. And if this reminded you of a game in the past for the Packers, because this is a game that came up in my mind as this game was going on before I even saw this statistic. Jalen Hurts was only the second player in NFL history with 150 passing yards, 150 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Any guesses as to who the other one is? Colin Kaepernick, 2012 NFC Divisional game against, of course, your Green Bay Packers. So that game felt eerily similar. There were some similarities to Michael Vick when he ran against the Packers in the playoff game when he was with the Falcons, and he ran all over a Injured and like completely old, and no longer able to run Hardy Nickerson in the middle of that Packers defense. There were similarities to Colin Kaepernick running all over the Packers defense in that divisional round game in in 2012. Jalen Hurts was, you know, played a really good football game in this game. There's no two ways about it. But this performance on defense was a complete and total failure and one of the worst tackling performances that I have ever seen. Guys on the Eagles, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers were just bouncing off tackles like Green Bay defenders had some sort of, you know, uh, oil or something on their hands where they just couldn't grasp. It was like the, the, the chicken with the oil and the grease and everything where people are chasing the chick. That's what it looked like. It looked like they had no chance of tackling at any given point, and we're not talking like listen, Miles Sanders, really nice player, Jalen Hurts, really nice player, AJ Brown, if he gets ahead of steam, incredibly talented player. But like, we're not talking about Derrick Henry here, like, we are talking, you know, good football players that are tough to bring down, no question about it. But this, this looked like a peewee football team trying to tackle varsity high school players at times. This defense. And their complete ineptitude in coverage with communications this season, in simple tackling, simple fundamentals, in filling the right gap, in communicating with one another, in like all of it, this has been a complete and total failure on defense. There's no two ways about it. And I I mentioned this on on Twitter as well, but I've been semi-sympathetic to the Packers defense at times this year because it is very, very tough in the NFL when your offense is not putting up points and the opposing offense can run everything in the playbook against you. They can run, they can play action, they can pass, they can go five wides, they can go power, they can go finesse. And you don't know what's going to happen on any given down or in any given play. You're, you're, You're fighting an uphill battle. In those situations, and it's even more of an uphill battle when your special teams is putting you in disadvantageous situations. Green Bay hasn't won the turnover battle, and it's been turning the you know ball over on offense. Two more turnovers in this game as well. But like, it's one thing in some of those games, you know, if if you're holding the teams to to winnable margins, and your offense is just not putting up points, and your special teams is screwing you over like I said, I've been semi-sympathetic, not praiseworthy. I'm not ready to say that the Packers defense was really good at any point this season, but they were put in some pretty crappy positions. In this game, they were just bad, brutal, ugly, disgusting. And there's no two ways about it. You can't blame the offense. They put up 33 points. The two turnovers, yeah, not ideal, including the one that set up Philly in really good field position. But overall, like. You've got to be able to simply just stop the run. Or you know what? If, if Philly gets 120 yards rushing in the game, you win this game going away, just not allowing 300 and whatever yards it was on the day in a completely unacceptable performance, that cannot happen ever. You can't have the you know, largest rushing yard total since, 19, since the 1970s. That's just unacceptable in all in all forms in all ways. And there's no two ways around it. Justice Mosqueda uh, tweeted out, and I think it's very appropriate. If it, it, he said, "quote If this is what Joe Barry looks like coaching for his job, it's over," and and that's an appropriate, you know, message. It's an appropriate tweet. If. Matt LaFleur mentioned, you know, coming off the Titans loss that everyone is fighting for their jobs at this point. He said, you know, everyone is fighting for a job in the NFL, especially when things are going poorly. Joe Barry knows that his job is on the line. There's no way he does. it. if he doesn't, he is far more clueless than, you know, anyone's given him credit for. But Joe Barry knows that his job is on the line. The Eagles are a very good football team and give the give Philadelphia credit. But if this is the way that your defense plays when your season is on the line and when your job is on the line, there's no coming back from that. And it would be one thing if the Eagles came out and just ran this extremely sophisticated offense where, you know, your your defense, you know, they give you a bunch of unscouted looks and You know, Jalen Hurts just hit some ridiculous throws to AJ Brown and tight coverage or whatever. Like sometimes you tip your hat to good offense and you say, you know what? It is what it is. They made some huge plays. Uh, You know, we wish we would have been able to do something different, but, you know, tip your cap to the offense. Still tip your cap to the offense because this offensive line was amazing for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts played really well. Miles Sanders played very well, but you couldn't stop the run you simply couldn't stop the run at any point. And as I watched this game on, on rewatch, I was able to go through and watch uh, on the condensed version. It was incredible to me how awful the secondary looked coming up and supporting the run still in coverage, even in the minimal pass plays that the Eagles actually attempted. There was just nothing. There's nothing in this game defensively that you can point your, you know, that point to and be like, feel really good about that. The even the even the force fumble by Rudy Ford, which is a really nice play by Rudy Ford, and a really nice fumble recovery on a great hustle play by Quay Walker, who goes down. If Jair Alexander just blocks Jalen Hurts, it's a touchdown for Quay. It's an easy touchdown for Quay. Jair doesn't even touch Jalen Hurts. He doesn't even remotely get there, and Jalen Hurts cuts it off. Quay has to cut back and cut back again. And through all his zigzagging, he ends up gassed and they end up getting him out. Now, Green Bay scored a touchdown on the ensuing drive, so it worked out okay. But that should be a touchdown right then and there. And even when you do something incredibly good, Jair's running in front of him and not even touching the the one guy that can get him down for no reason. That's the sort of stupid stuff that's been happening all season long. And it's like unfathomable to watch at times. And I want to be clear here, and again, I'm never cheering for somebody to lose their job, but this is a results-oriented business. And Joe Barry in this defense has not been up to par when they've needed the results, or really just, you know, for the majority of his tenure in Green Bay. This is not just Joe Barry. This performance this year on defense is indicative of a complete and total reset on defense. And I'm not just talking defensive coordinator. I'm not just talking scheme. I'm talking personnel in certain spots, and I'm talking the you know, entire coaching staff. Because once again, I could make a very strong argument that the secondary is the single most disappointing aspect of this entire team this year. Jair Alexander, far below expectations. Eric Stokes, far below expectations. Razul Douglas, below expectations, was really had a really, really rough game in this game. Darnell Savage, far below expectations, arguably worst performance on the team this season, which got him benched. More on that later. Adrian Amos, far below expectations. Really, uh, I'll watch it on the All-22 to give a final declaration, but on watch and rewatch, look like an awful game from Adrian Amos. This secondary, you know, kudos to Rudy Ford. Keyshawn Nixon, I think, is You know, does okay with what he's given as a, you know, a sub package defender here and there in the secondary, but man, the five starters, which was supposed to be not only the strength, like one of the top secondaries, but one of the best units in all of football anywhere to have this be arguably the worst unit on your team. And one of the most disappointing units in all of football is unconscionable. And you've got a linebacking core. I like what Quay's putting on tape overall. I think there's positives there. But Devondre Campbell was performing below expectations. Preston Smith below expectations. Rashawn Gary was playing well as a pass rusher, but some things he still needed to get cleaned up and in the run game wasn't always, I, I think, held or at least playing at the standard that he needed to. Extremely excited about JJ Anagbari and what he continues to put on tape. So edge rusher. And then, you know, Hollins in this game looked good. So I guess, you know, the edge rusher group, at least around expectations, but Preston, I I think is probably still a little bit below that. Defensive line, Kenny Clark, another really, really tough game. I have no idea where Kenny Clark was in this game, again, for the fifth straight week. And again, I'll wait till the all 22 to look at it closer, but on first glance and second glance, tough game for Kenny Clark. And um, Devontae Wyatt, first round pick, not living up to expectations. Dean Lowry's had an okay year. I know most people won't view it that way, but if you actually watch him closely, he's actually had an okay year. Now this game, I'm not so sure about, didn't look pretty for the defensive line, so it could be a tough game for him. Jaron Reed, ups and downs. TJ Slayton, ups and downs. I wouldn't say this defensive line is performing well. This is coaching, players, scheme, coordinating, play calling, all of it and it needs a complete and total reset because they can't do anything well. They can't twist and stunt well up front. They can't rush the passer well. They can't cover well. They can't play zone well. They get beaten man from running quarterbacks consistently. They can't spy the quarterback well. They cannot do anything well. It needs a complete and total overhaul. And this is just another example of that today. Beer in the water section. You've piqued my interest, liquid death. Okay, so it's not actually beer, it's mountain spring water from the Alps, but it sure as heck looks like a beer when you first see it. And it should pique your interest too, because Liquid Death is the incredible new product that looks like a can of beer, but is actually water that comes in sparkling still and three delicious flavors. We've been downing can after can of Liquid Death at my house, and everyone's always interested. What are you drinking? What is that? Did Xaver just drink a beer? It's been downright fantastic. And best of all, the water is actually incredible. Listen, I am not a water guy, and sparkling water never really did it for me, but even I can't get enough of the lime liquid death, which we have been going through like crazy. So it's fun, it's delicious, and it's actually better for the environment because you aren't adding more plastic bottles to your local landfills. I love the tall boys of Liquid Death, and I know you're going to as well. If you haven't checked them out yet, you should probably fix that right now and get to a store immediately. You can find Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: And I know the next question when we talk about Joe Barry and, and what happens next, and you know Jim Leonard getting, uh, you know, not getting the coaching job at Madison. Those that that will be linked because the Packers reportedly offered Jim Leonard the defensive coordinator spot before he turned it down, and Joe Barry took the position couple things here. I don't know if and when Joe Barry will be, you know, fired this season. If I had to guess, I still think it's end of season. I don't think there's any chance that he's back with the team next year. I think he does get fired in the offseason. One of the biggest reasons I don't think it's before then is cuz I don't think anyone's deserving on this defensive staff to take over that position cuz like I said, everyone in every position coach is underperforming and nobody deserves that promotion. I don't necessarily think there's a real big advantage to doing it at this point other than sending a message, but who are you sending that message to? Really Joe Barry. And like I said, it doesn't matter all that much anyway. So I would probably just keep him for the remainder of the season. If they wanted to, you know, terminate him before that, I would understand it based on the performance. But my guess is he's gone in the off season. As far as Jim Leonard, a couple things. First, he may end up with another head coaching job in college well before Green Bay you know, starts their defensive coordinator search in the offseason. So who knows what ends up happening with Jim Leonard prior to that. I'm sure he's going to be a very sought-after coach in multiple capacities. I think he will get, very likely, some head coaching opportunities in college football, probably sooner rather than later, and before Green Bay would maybe even be able to move on to their defensive coordinator. I'm sure if that doesn't come to fruition, there's a very good chance that he gets with some major power program, you know maybe one of the the best programs in, in college football. I'm not familiar with the openings because I cover the Packers in that college football, but it would not shock me if he got a major defensive coordinator position at one of the top universities in all of college. Whether that's some defensive coordinator who gets a head coaching job, or some school that completely changes over, you know their their coaching staff he should definitely be in line at minimum for basically whatever open defensive coordinator job he th- that's available in college. It's possible, I don't know how likely it is, but it's possible that Wisconsin you know offers him and, and Fickle offers him the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. We know how much he loves Madison. Maybe he just stays in Madison. Not sure that that's likely, but we'll see. And then there's also a very good possibility that other NFL teams... Come calling for Jim Leather and say, hey, you know, you you were gonna get the job in, in with the Packers. You've been a great defensive coordinator at Madison. Come, you know, and he had a lot of supporters when he was obviously, you know, for his IQ when he was a safety in the NFL. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets other opportunities as defensive coordinator in the NFL. Let me ask you this. If you had a lot of options on your plate, how excited would you be to take a Packers defensive coordinator position? Because I gotta say, If Matt LaFleur called me tomorrow and said, Andy, huge fan of the podcast, we'd like to make you next defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, as much as I'd be honored by Matt LaFleur's request, the idea of uh, having to see a million fire Herman tweets after every game, um, because this defense is terrible, not exactly the most exhilarating prospect in the world. It's just, uh, like I said, this defense needs a complete and total makeover. It is an incredibly soft defense. This is not a defense that will hit you in the mouth. They don't rally to the football. They don't play as a team. They don't communicate well. And you've got a ton of talent and and money that's wrapped up in this group. And yeah, a part of it is the scheme. A part of it is the coaching. And maybe uh, you think you can be the guy that changes that. Sure, by all means. But this is basically looked like the same defense, the same softness, the same philosophy, the same everything from end of Dom Capers to Mike Pettin to Joe Barry. It just has. And you want proof of it? Jalen Hurts, Colin Kaepernick, same damn game. And not much has changed in between that. So there, there'll there be a, you know, we got a defense game every here and then. It's usually just because you played Mitch Trubisky. This, I, like I said, I don't know who's going to be clamoring for this Packers defensive coordinator job. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that's the case. All right. We got 22 minutes in and we got to like the one thing of like a thousand that I wanted to talk to so talk about. So let's jump over to Aaron Rodgers. Not Aaron's best performance prior to injury 11 of 16, 140 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks but a couple things couple gorgeous throws. you know certainly the, the Cobb touchdown throw uh, was beautiful. I had a couple other really nice throws in this game. The first interception, probably ill-advised, escapes a sack, sees Lazard throw his hand up. Lazard is pretty well covered on the play. Rodgers throws it behind him. I'm sure the thumb was a factor. Hits off of, I think, Darius Slay, pops up, and like the fact that the defender is just chilling right there on the sideline is just stupid. But of course, the defender's right there, easy interception, whatever. And then he Rodgers did mention that Tyler Davis on the play, not only if you if you, wa- if you follow Kurt Benkert on Twitter, Benkert was the one who said, first of all, that like watch Davis on the play, he drifts four yards downfield rather than coming across. Uh, the second thing is Rodgers in his post-game press conference said, not only was he not supposed to go across, he was actually supposed to, you know, basically run right up the seam. So Davis ran the wrong route entirely, even with running the wrong route, probably faded off of it. Now, Rogers did say as well, shouldn't have thrown it. I think that's the big thing here is, yeah, Davis didn't do the right thing in a couple of different ways. I don't think he really identified the safety all that well in the play. I don't think he had clear vision on it and whether either he didn't and you know you that that's not excusable or he did. and even at best, even if Davis is there and runs it and kind of like doesn't fade off a little bit, at best, that's an incomplete pass. So that's just one you you don't throw in that situation. So not an ideal decision there. Still a lot of stuff going wrong. And the fact there's a play on offense where Nyman and DeGuara are colliding into each other. You've got Tyler Davis running wrong routes. Like this stuff is still happening in week 11, which is so frustrating. So all of that being said, that's not what I wanted to talk about with Aaron Rodgers because I've been harsh on Aaron Rodgers, certainly this season, goes without saying that the, the broken thumb very much playing a part in this year. There's no two ways about that. I don't think that Rogers has done a great job of playing within the way this offense is supposed to be played at times. I think there's throws that he just hasn't pulled the trigger on that he needs to throw the trigger on at times. But I just want to say, you're playing he ends up with a, a massively busted rib. I know it was reported as an oblique originally if you didn't hear Roger's post game presser he did say it was his ribs. He's playing with a you know massively busted ribs. He's playing with a broken thumb. It's a 4 and 7 season. You're down 14 on the road. He's going to turn 39 in like a week and a half here. And he's still in the game doing everything he can to try to get the win for that team. I have nothing But massive respect for him in that situation, going back out there and doing everything he can to try to get his team down the field and scoring points. He actually led, and a lot of it was running the football, but he actually led a scoring drive. That Yash Nyman false start on fourth down, one of the low-key, really big moments in that game. I mentioned yesterday on the video podcast on YouTube, I mentioned there were a couple things that Green Bay couldn't do. One of them was they couldn't leave points on the board. And they had to miss extra point. And then because Yash jumps off sides, they don't get the opportunity to go for it there. If they get in the end zone there, they get four instead of three or seven instead of three, which is four more points. And then they get, you know, they miss the extra point. That's five more points. You know, that, that allows you on the Jordan love drive, instead of settling for the field goal, that allows you to go for it on that drive and go down and, and, and try to win the game. So they left points on the board, but back to Rogers, the the toughness that he's displayed this season is nothing short of incredible. And it deserves a a lot of praise because uh, I think other quarterbacks would not have done that. You know, whether it's playing with the thumb or, you know, trying to play through the rib injury, he did everything he could to stay on the field. And it, you know, he mentioned in his post game presser that basically it was a lot of pain, but he also was worried about a punctured lung because he was having trouble breathing. Even through that guy was out there, you know, chucking the ball around and trying to lead the offense. So, just want to say i have a ton of credit for that as far as where this leads rogers moving forward he mentioned in his post game presser that he expects to play next weekend assuming you know monday scans come out okay so that will be worth monitoring but it sounds like he's anticipating to play on sunday and then he was asked you know what happens once you're mathematically eliminated or something to that extent and he said as long as we're mathematically alive i'd like to be out there but he did kind of make mention of once they're mathematically eliminated, other factors could come into play and that he was open to conversations about that. So it does seem that Rodgers, with maybe some of these injuries piled up and knowing where this season is headed, that once they're mathematically eliminated, he's willing to have the conversation of, all right, you, you know, maybe you get some snaps for love or maybe you get Rodgers healthy at that point. So that is probably coming sooner rather than later. We'll touch base on that more in just a moment, meaning when the Packers are mathematically eliminated. But it does sound like Rodgers is going to be able to play against the Bears. At least that's his anticipation as of right now. That could change with scans on Monday. That could change depending on how conversations go with the team and the doctor throughout the course of the week. But it sounds like Rodgers wants to play this week. And overall, I guess just a a gutsy performance in that situation that I don't know that a lot of quarterbacks would have done that. I guess I just have a ton of respect for that. Now, whether the Packers should go with Aaron Rodgers and continue to put him out there uh, where the season's at right now. And should they want to get Jordan Love more playing time, especially after maybe what we saw? That's another conversation for another day that we probably don't have a ton of time to jump into right now. I, I, I think this sort of just solves itself, right? You play Rodgers, assuming he's able to go and the doctors actually clear him, you play him while you're mathematically alive in the playoff race, which is probably one more game. Because my guess is by the time you get through Chicago, win or lose, and then your bye week the week after that, there's a good chance that two weeks from now, you're probably elim- you know eliminated from playoff contention. And then Rodgers is open to it, right? So at that point, you move to Jordan Love for the rest of the season. You put Rogers on IR and you just go from there. And it, it just seems to solve itself, right? Right. Why have this conflict with Rodgers now? Just let him play this game, assuming he's able to go health-wise and then kind of make the decision after that. So it seems like there's a logical way to play this out for the remainder of the season. And that, of course, brings us to Jordan Love, who showed some really impressive signs in this game. He had six of nine for 113 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, has two drives, leads him to two scoring drives, a touchdown and a field goal. And even some of those plays, I guess one of the plays that was in, you know incomplete was arguably his best throw of the day, which was that cover two shot to Aaron Jones that Jones just couldn't hold on to. That was a gorgeous throw. Um, you know, I thought, you know, on the on the play to Cobb where he rolled out, I thought it was a good job rolling out on that play. Maybe threw a, a hint behind Cobb on that play. Could have probably been pass interference too. Like there's there's a there's a world where where Jones catches that ball, and then you know Cobb gets called for pi, and they score. You know on the next play, where you know what Love is seven of eight for 130 yards. You know leads two touchdown drives. Like that would have been pretty freaking incredible. So I thought you know I thought everything looked really good for Jordan Love in this game. I loved his ability to you know stand in the pocket. I love the fact that he went very naturally through his progressions. And then when he saw an open receiver, he ripped the ball. Like, he didn't hesitate. He, I mean, it was literal, catch the snap, get your footwork down, go through your progressions, see a receiver, rip the ball. You know, know, Ben Fennell always says, offense doesn't need to be complicated. And it just felt like, you know, I know all of the stuff that Rodgers does at the line of scrimmage and his beautiful mind-esque You know, mind at work that's going through different things that he's known in the past and seen in the past with all the different coverages. That stuff can play a huge part in some of the great things that Green Bay does. But sometimes it's really nice just to see a play. And this isn't meant as a a knock to Rodgers, it's just a a compliment to Jordan Love. It's beautiful to just kind of see a simple three or five step drop have your feet dictate your progressions you know or marry your footwork with your your eyes and your progressions go through your progressions see receiver rip ball throw an accurate pass move the chains keep the clock or you know keep the keep the chains moving and keep the the team moving down the field now this was a a pretty soft defense at times by the eagles and you know Especially on some of the last drives, Green Bay's is going some five wides, giving Love some some easy looks on some stuff. But man, I don't know what more you could have wanted from him. And the the throw to Watson over the middle, like this is not like a you know Patrick Mahomes running around in circles, throwing behind his back with his eyes closed type of throw that's going to get played over and over. But it's just another simple throw over the middle read your progression, let Watson get through the window, rip the ball, throw it to him in stride, and let Watson do the heavy lifting. Those nine plays sort of look like at times the Matt LaFleur offense that I think we were sort of expecting to see. Now, it is an incredibly small sample size. And listen, we've all used the examples like against the Chiefs, all right. Well, that Chiefs game, he had a very little time to get ready. The Chiefs threw the kitchen sink at him. We can't really put too much stock into that. The Lions game, it was a glorified exhibition game. He came in halfway, had to take over for Rodgers and did some good things, but like you can't really, it was just another small sample size. The same thing goes here. For the same reasons that we kind of give jordan love a pass against the chiefs and the lions you can't put too much stock into this performance against the eagles small sample sizes defense is doing different things until you see him start you know a, a legitimate game where he's fully game planned for and you know you're doing everything to allow jordan love to run an offense that's successful for him and you probably do it for a few weeks in a row you're not going to get a great feel for who he is that being said how are you? Anything but excited for you know the way that that Jordan Love ripped the ball and, and and just played kind of fearless quarterback. It was fun to watch. It was one of the more exciting aspects of the season. And over the last, I mean, the, the McCarthy, the, the win over McCarthy and the Cowboys was fun, no two ways about it. But it just felt like the season that's kind of been spiraling and going in a million different directions, mostly the wrong ones. Like you, I tweeted right before like something on this season had to go right, right? Because there hasn't been many things that you can point to of like, well, that went right this season. Like the only thing left that could go right is basically Jordan Love playing well. There's only nine passes, but it was really fun. He ripped the ball well, and it was a really positive outing for Jordan Love. So again, we'll see what happens with Love. And if he gets more playing time, it sounds like it's inevitable that he's probably going to get playing time at some point once the Packers are eliminated, whether that's three games, four games, one game, we're going to have to wait and see. But Tough not to want to see a little bit more of Jordan Love after that performance. A couple other positives in this game. Christian Watson, my goodness. Six targets, four catches, 110 yards, a touchdown for the third straight game. He has six touchdowns in th- his last three games overall. And I think it's just incredible how he can make other insanely fast humans look ridiculously slow. That's the type of gear he has. And I mentioned it all off season this Packers team is desperate for somebody who they can get the ball on a 10-yard pass and he can take it 70 yards the rest of the way. I know this wasn't quite that many, but this was a huge explosive play that was not complicated for the quarterback. And Christian Watson got the ball in space and did all the heavy lifting because he's an insanely stupidly fast human being. That's what Green Bay needs. It doesn't have to be A free play where you get somebody to jump off sides or you catch another team with 13 down, you know, on the field and you throw a ball up for grabs and somebody makes some miraculous catch. The best offenses find ways to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers on simple plays and let those playmakers do the heavy lifting. And we saw that again with Christian Watson. And it is so beautiful to see. This was not a one-game, three-touchdown fluke. This is not a two-week fluke. This is three weeks in a row now where he's putting some really impressive stuff on tape. And yeah, he had the drop on the first play. But I'll say this, as impressive as the catch and run was, his contested catch over the middle where he gets hit by two defenders, and I think it was catching a a huge third down on that play, that's a huge play. His play where it's a, a run solution, where it's a run play, but he runs a little slant behind it, where he's at the exact spot that he's supposed to be running the route, even though it's a a, a run play and Rogers hits him on that. Those are the things, those small attention to detail things that are going to start to add up in a major way. You add the small things on top of the 60 yard touchdown receptions where you're doing the heavy lifting with your speed after the catch or the contested catch against the Titans or the deep ball, whatever you want to say, like you are stacking some serious stuff. For Christian Watson now, and it is getting incredibly exciting. And there's no doubt about it. The reason you're seeing this offense pick up these last few weeks, I know the Titans was not always the case, but we saw more points against the Cowboys. We saw more explosives and opportunities against the Titans. We say a 33-point game against the Eagles. There is a huge part of that that is due to Christian Watson, his playmaking, but also his presence on the field that's opening stuff underneath. Huge, huge stuff for Christian Watson. Keyshawn Nixon starts off with a nine yard return, looked awful on that play. His next four returns went for 163 yards, a 40.8 yard average with a long of 53, a really pleasant day returning after that first miss where is a little bit of a bobble and then a little bit of a slip and just everything goes wrong after that phenomenal day returning and nice blocking up front by the special teams unit. Unfortunately, you can't talk all positive about the special teams because they missed just another extra point. We're just going to expect this from now on. The special team is just going to miss an extra point every game. It is what it is. It is stupid how inept this special teams can be at times. And for they do one thing great and then they do one thing terrible. And it's just, welcome to Green Bay special teams where you just never know exactly what you're going to get. But I can't believe they have another botched extra point It's just just crazy, but we should just expect it at this point. Some other positives, Justin Hollins, really nice pickup for Green Bay. Immediately as a sack, sets the edge beautifully on a run play. He held contain on Jalen Hurts on another play. Really excited to watch the All-22 on him. He made a very positive first impression on defense. Rudy Ford forced another fumble. Uh, He just continues to stack up big plays for this defense, one of the few that's been able to do so. I thought A.J. Dillon had his best game of the season, eight rushes, 64 yards and a touchdown, including a 20-yard touchdown run. Love seeing him run under center a little bit more, but listen, he ran well under center. He ran well out of shotgun. He caught the ball well out of the backfield. This was the bruising, punishing mayor of Door County at his best and uh, really enjoyed watching Dillon play in this game. Uh, Some notes on the negative side, Darnell Savage, I don't know if this is negative or positive, but Darnell Savage was benched uh, prior, like it's Rudy Ford took his starting job. Then he gets injured on the, you know, I think his first play in the game where he misses another tackle. Part of it was, I think due to, I don't know if he slipped or whatever, but um, this was the right move. Savage has struggled all year long. He's been involved in a lot of the miscommunications on defense and I don't want to see him get hurt. No two ways about that. But this was the right move to move Rudy forward ahead of Darnell Savage. Hopefully Savage is okay, and hopefully he can play. He did not return in the game, uh, but hopefully he learns from this and understands that he's got to play better if he wants to get back on the field. But uh, he did leave the game injured, and hopefully he will be okay. But again, he did not return to the game. Sammy Watkins also seemed like he was losing some snaps in this game. Looked like they went with a heavy dose of Cobb and Watson and Lazard. Now wide receiver with a little Samori Touré and a little Sammy Watkins. Gonna be interested on the snap counts, but it did not seem like he got very many snaps and he ended the day with zero targets, which again was the right move. This last one is going to pain me to say, because I've loved this player in green and gold. I think he's been one of the most consistent players throughout the entirety of his career. But Adrian Amos, is having an incredibly tough season, and he looks two and a half steps slower than he did in his previous years in Green Bay. He just doesn't look like he can play safety right now because he doesn't have the foot. He there's a couple plays. There's the one play on the Jalen Hurts, you know, play out to the side where he kind of helped stop a touchdown, but Rudy Ford eventually made the tackle. There'll be a play here and there, but like his breaking down uh, meaning like how he's, you know, coming up to the line and like breaking down and trying to tackle players has not looked well. He's struggling in coverage. He's struggled just making any plays from the safety position. Doesn't look like he can hold up as a, you know, a uh, hybrid safety linebacker. I know this is his last season in green Bay in all actuality, but it has been an incredibly tough season. Like I said, it pains me to say that because I've loved watching him play in green Bay this has been a tough season. This might've been his worst game. Like I said, I'll hold judgment on this one until I see the all 22, but man, first and second glance looked really, really, really rough for Amos in this game. All right. As of right now, Packers are set to pick ninth in the draft. They are tied with teams picking sixth, seventh, and eighth. They are losing out based on their um, strength of schedule, but right now they have a top 10 pick. And if they keep losing, they could see that catapult maybe into the top seven, top five, maybe even. We'll have to wait and see. Um, That being said, this team mathematically per ESPN has a 2% chance of making the playoffs. So somewhere between making the playoffs, 2% chance, and a potential top 10 or maybe even top five pick, depending on what happens the remainder of the season. Buckle up, who knows what will happen next. The Packers remaining schedule at Chicago, then they have a bye Rams at home, at Dolphins, Vikings at home, Lions at home, at Bears. Winnable game, especially if Justin Fields doesn't play. He doesn't. He didn't play on Sunday. We'll see if he's capable of playing this Sunday against the Packers. That is, they'll basically, I think, run the same. Well, knowing like, does he play and can they actually run him the way that they want to, or is his shoulder just too bad that they can't run him? His status in that game will be major for if the Packers, you know, are even favored in that game, quite honestly, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. So the starting quarterbacks will be worth keeping a major eye on this week. Then they have to the buy. You've got the Rams at home, which is a very winnable game because the Rams have been maybe the only team that's more disappointing than the Packers this season. You go to Dolphins on the road, which the Dolphins should win easily. Vikings should win easily in Minnesota and then you've got the Lions game which is will be in all likelihood a glorified exhibition game because those two games will not those two teams will not have anything to play for in that game and my guess is we'll see a lot of young players backups etc um in like I said what will likely be a glorified preseason game tough to take any major takeaways from this game other than like I said the defense needs a a total rehaul and a total reorganization Jordan Love, some real positives on tape. Love seeing the Keyshawn Nixon return game. Love seeing A.J. Dillon play well. Rodgers' injury is going to be a major factor uh, moving forward. And it's going to be an interesting week to see if Green Bay makes any changes on the coaching staff, to see if Aaron Rodgers is able to go. Does Jordan Love get a start against the Bears and maybe give Rodgers the game against the Chicago off before you have the bye week and then seeing what happens from there? Lots of moving pieces. An entertaining game. That's not the goal. The goal is to win football games. They did not win the football game in large part due to their abysmal defense in this one. Some Still some positive takeaways, including, again, a very impressive Jordan Love performance in minimal playing time and a, another impressive Christian Watson performance as well. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate you. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!
2: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.